0: Lesson forty three. What do you get when you buy the recently upgraded Photography 101 app, featuring the fastest, cleanest version ever, plus a free ebook by the show's host thrown into the mix, all for the paltry price of a buck ninety nine? A great deal. There hasn't been a better time than right now to get the Photography 101 app for your iPad, iPhone, iPod Touch, or Android smartphone. Get yours now and see what all you've been missing. Hello again. In this episode, we're going to revisit macro photography and further explore the amazing shooting opportunities that close-up photography offers. As mentioned in Lesson 19, or Episode 10 if you're viewing in iTunes, a macro lens is the preferable way to take close-up shots, but you can always use close-up filter attachments or extension tubes to give about any lens the ability to focus close-up on objects. A few weeks ago, I was checking out some incredibly cool close-up macro shots on the Internet and was curious what lens setup the photographer had used. That's when I found out about this clever little gem. The M250 Raynox Super Macro Conversion Lens. This thing snaps onto the front of any lens having a filter thread diameter between 52 and 67 mm And there's a super sharp 49 mm lens that does the work. Besides the impressive crispness this lens gives with minimal distortion, it also allows you to maintain some distance while taking close-up shots, as opposed to all but touching objects in super close-up situations. This is a huge plus if you're into shooting insects that don't particularly like it when you get too close to them. Even more amazing is the price. I only paid 75 bucks for this wonder, which is a steal considering the quality and usefulness of the thing. I decided to put it to the test for most of the images used in this episode, so you can see for yourself what it's capable of doing. The first day I got it in the mail I attached it to my Nikon 18 to 70 millimeter zoom lens but in all honesty was a little disappointed by the results. Not only were the images vignetted, I wasn't all that impressed with the magnifying power. You always want to extend your lens the maximum distance when using this attachment and even that focal length just wasn't enough. So I attached it to my 75-300mm to 300 millimeter lens and that's when the fun began. I went out into the backyard and shot a few flowers and texture shots and was fairly happy with the results. The only catch was that I couldn't use any high aperture settings with the available light, especially in the shade. As you may already know from earlier lessons, depth of field in macro photography is very shallow and your only recourse is to use high f-stops to increase it. Since this requires a lot of light, and I wasn't getting it, I tried a few shots using the on-camera flash, but this was not very promising either. There were shadows from the lens being in the way, and the straight-on light quality was flat and unremarkable. Using a tripod and slower shutter speeds with existing light was of course an option, but I ditched that idea very quickly, since I didn't particularly like the limitations and difficulty composing shots while being tied down to a tripod. I then decided to use an off-camera flash bracket with my Vivitar 283 flash and started getting much better results. I was able to get aperture settings around f22 to f32 at ISO 400, and the light direction was better, coming slightly from the side. But I was still not thrilled with the shallow depth of field while shooting at the maximum focal length, so I decided to try one other lens I had in my arsenal, my 60mm Micro Nikkor. Now I had a setup that included a legitimate macro lens plus this amazing attachment. Things really started to click then. I decided to focus on abstract formalism in this episode because I've always enjoyed photos with subjects that are not immediately recognizable with formalistic qualities, such as line, shape, form, and texture. Just for the fun of it, I went around the house and gathered up a few common household objects along with some outdoor stuff I found while walking the dogs. I chose things that I guess might look good at high magnification. As it turns out, I was very pleased with the results. I decided to shoot in my studio using a single 300-watt-second studio flash head as a light source. I knew I'd want all the power I could get in order to achieve high f-stops, plus I wanted to be able to see the effect of the light in real time by way of the modeling lamp. If you want to learn more about using off-camera or studio flash, see Lesson 25 or Episode 15 if you're in iTunes. Here's one of the shots of the first object I tried out. When I started composing this object, my first impulse was to shoot a cross section, but I quickly realized that this was less than thrilling. Then I laid the object on its side and liked the texture, but the lighting was fairly flat and unremarkable. Then I began playing around with the light direction until the thing almost seemed to glow, and that's when I knew I had what I wanted. I rotated the object a little at a time while creating sharp shadows with the flash head and eventually came in even closer which resulted in this image. All the while, I thought of how this object could be a lot of things, since there was no scale. That is, there was nothing else in the picture to indicate how big or small it is. That's what you want to do when shooting abstract formalism. Shoot until the object no longer appears to resemble itself. In this next study, you can see how much the slightest change in lighting and composition can modify the overall look of the subject. I love the texture here, but I want to create some kind of lunar landscape feel to it so I kept changing the camera angle and adjusting the lighting until I had some strong shadows. I could envision the rise near the middle as a mountain and the rest of the image a barren landscape of some kind. Finally, I got this shot, which to me looked oddly like a mummified nipple, a far cry from a lunar landscape. I decided to try another portion of this object and got some good results, including this shot, which looks like some kind of sea creature. Once I was done with the inside, I started exploring the exterior of this object and got these two shots. This, which looks like it could be a cracked tile or a piece of cornbread, and this crazy shot, which one could almost imagine looks like a milkshake being poured into a container. By this time, I figured I'd explored about everything there was to explore in this single object, then thought about how many more of them my wife had piled up in her workshed. When you consider that all these shots came from just a half of a single gourd, you realize that the potential shots one could find in, say, another dozen or so gourds might be limitless. I really had fun with the next object, and by the way, none of these shots were Photoshopped in any way, so you're seeing the real deal. At first, I experimented with composition, trying to find a way to make the thing look like anything but itself. It had a lot of cool angles, but I wasn't getting anywhere. Then I suddenly realized that if I backlit the object, it took on a really sweet warm glow. I then placed a dark sheet of paper in the background and went to town playing with the composition and camera angles. I came in really tight for some shots like this one and pulled out a bit for this shot. It was pretty cool how many formalistic images I could get out of one single pair of cheap scissors. It's probably little mystery what this is but I included it here to show again how critical light, camera angle, proximity, and composition are and how a single simple subject looks in the final image. I love the warm gold color of this thin copper wire and the repeated diagonal lines, no matter what way you look at it. If you ever find yourself shooting something and aren't happy with how it looks, don't give up until you've tried every possible variation you can think of. You may be thankful that you gave it a little more time in the end when you look at that last shot and say, man, I'm sure glad I kept working on this thing. Any idea what this is? Here's a couple of clues for you. It's a food product with just a dash of seasoning. If you still haven't figured it out yet, it should become more recognizable as I show another shot from farther away and reveal its true identity. Here's another shot where the lighting makes all the difference in its look. I backlit the object and purposely underexposed it in this first shot. By the way, the exposure for almost all these studio shots were at 1 of a second and in the neighborhood of F32 which is why the depth of field looks pretty decent. Clearly, Studio Flash provides all the power you need to achieve such small apertures at high magnification. I opened up the aperture a bit for the next couple of shots of this eggshell and modified the composition in an effort to make its texture look different. I'm gonna wrap up my abstract formalistic presentation with this object and I doubt very much you'll be able to guess what it is. I can tell you that it's backlit, made out of acrylic, and its overall size is no bigger than a couple of inches, You can also find the real thing on a farm and it has a huge appetite. Okay, that gave it away. Here's a look at the object in its entirety. Now it's not so hard to see where that tight little shot came from. How cool is that? And here's a look at some of the other objects used in this study. Would you ever have guessed that there would be so many possibilities in such a sad little group of stuff? Well, that's about it for this lesson. I hope that I've gotten you inspired enough to give macro abstract formalism a try. It's certainly not hard to do and you're limited only by your imagination. I've added a link for the Raynox Super Macro Conversion Lens in the extras section and the blog directory in case you want to find out more or give it a try. So until next time, goodbye.